Hello, welcome to Grad School Grad, a podcast about public policy and international relations graduate programs in the United States. In my inaugural episode, I illustrated how I think about public policy graduate programs in terms of tiers uh, in reference to how competitive they are in producing talent for the job market. And since then, um, at, in the Grad School Cafe forum that I'm active in, um, there was some feedback asking me to essentially do the same for international relations graduate school programs. And I honestly probably won't do that. And the reason why I'm uncomfortable about tiering international relations programs that way is because the how competitive someone can be uh, in IR, as they call international relations, is really tied to international relations focus areas. So just to illustrate this, if I was interested in national security, the schools that would be best fit for me to be competitive in the IR space uh, would be, it would be a different list versus if I was interested and refugee uh, and migration issues or trade policy. I mean, there is some overlap, but the way I think about it is that um, focus areas can decently change uh, the tiering. Now, I think that's true for IR programs. I think it's much less true for public policy programs, which you could speak to their career uh, competitiveness, broadly speaking. Granted, um, focus areas still come to play at times, but I don't think it comes in play as much. That's my opinion. Um, but that being said, I do want to help people thinking about IR programs uh, distinguish between uh, certain schools that they're considering. And I thought the easiest way I could do that is to talk about what's called the Big Seven. I call the Big Seven. I hear other people call it the Big Seven. But um, I, I also heard them for different things. But what the Big Seven is, is seven uh, graduate programs that are essentially considered the premier international relations programs, uh, rightfully or wrongfully. They've been around for a while. They're pretty well established. Um, now, I want to caveat that I think there are still great uh, programs that aren't within the Big Seven um, and that might be right for someone uh, depending on their focus area. For example, Denver University or uh, Monterey Institute. But you now the reality is the big seven is what people usually start with um, when they think about IR grad programs. So what is the big seven? And I highlight the schools. It's Harvard Kennedy School, Georgetown Walsh School of Foreign Service, Johns Hopkins Sice, Tufts Fletcher, George Washington Elliott, Columbia SEPA, American SIS. Now, I want to highlight that a lot of what helps the Big Seven get the reputation is what I like to call their mainline degree for an IR career. So each of the schools I mentioned actually provide multiple degrees, but um, there's usually one generalist degree, so to speak, that is meant to prepare people for a broad IR career track. 
um, and they're called different things. For for every school, with the exception, Harvard is essentially a master's of international relations. They might call something interesting, like Tuts Fletcher calls theirs a, a mall D, and that's a mouthful of a West Answer, but essentially a master's in international relations. Um, the the exceptions Harvard Kennedy School, where their mainline degree is Master of Public Policy, and we'll we'll get to that. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not the end all be all. I don't know everything about these schools, but I know a fair amount. And just to give you some context, um, once upon a time I was interested in national relations programs. So I you've considered all these and visited all of them as well. Um, uh, but I've also had family members, close friends who went there. And probably more importantly, I've had bosses and coworkers and just people I was engaging in the IR space. I used to do international relations, uh, be involved in it quite a bit, but I did a fair amount of engagement with, uh, students and alumni from the schools. But I've also kept up with what the student experience is, uh, in, for Mandy schools. Um, I will be honest, there's some schools I know better than others and I'll highlight it, uh, as I explain each. So let's just talk about uh, them one by one. Let me start off with Harvard Kennedy School. Uh, so the key thing to understand for Harvard Kennedy School is that the degree is a master's in public policy. So what that means is that even if you're focused on IR, you start off your first year uh, with a master's in public policy curriculum. You're split into cohorts. Um, and so you're taking the same course load as those people interested in domestic policy, international development, things, things that aren't really related to IR. I personally think it's a great thing to be in a diverse setting with people interested in government affairs uh, from different angles. But, you know, some people are a little bit annoyed that they don't get focused on IR uh, course material right away. It's, it's the general general core for MPP. So there's that. And another thing to really think about with HKS is that it's a huge school. It takes in about 1,200 a year. And again, not everyone's going to be focused on IR. IR. A subset of that will be focused on IR. Um, a lot of people will be really domestic policy and national development, um, trade, stuff like that. And so of that 1,200, um, there's, you know, that's that subset with an IR that's going to focus on it. And usually what I've seen is that their career interests, uh, vary greatly. Um, I mean, there's some do go to traditional IR career routes, like foreign service officer, the intelligence agencies, um, think tanks, so on and so forth. Um, uh, now, that being said, I think what's interesting about HKS is that uh, you do have consistent numbers going to uh, traditional IR job tracks. But uh, due to how the career interests are so spread out, I wouldn't say there's what, large, massive groups of alumni posses uh, at the State Department or defense or, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's decent number you're going to be well connected as an alum but uh i i would argue that georgetown and johns hopkins size has uh larger posses um of alumni especially georgetown um 
So, and I'm not saying proxies are that important, but just some some think about it. Um, and then uh, what I really think is interesting uh, about the IR track HKS is that you have some really unique career outcomes on top of the traditional job tracks. Um, some of them are not even in the public sector. So uh, HKS is one of the few schools uh, that's in po- public policy and or IR schools that has a very strong pathway for MBB, which is McKinsey, Bain, BCG, Consulting. And so as strong pathway for that, it's still very competitive, but it's an option. Uh, I've seen IR people make private sector pivots, um, any, everything from startups to international business, um, it, uh, thing, create all sorts of creative things. And that, and that's possible, uh, with HKS. So I want to highlight that one of the reasons why HKS is such a broad range of careers. Outcomes all very strong, all very competitive from what I've seen is because it has a very intense professionally focused culture. I think of it as a good thing, but um, some people have told me it's a little bit too intense. But essentially, from day one, there's a lot of conversation about what your passions and focuses are and how, how do you want to do things to improve your career opportunities and your ambitions. There's a lot of conversations about that. And I think of Foster as a very professionally minded culture, far more so than any other IR pro- public policy and IR program I, I seen. Um, I think it helps um, that HKS students have access to uh, the full range of, shall we say, professional programs within Harvard. So it's it's not just about taking classes at like the business school or public health, but if there's a topic that's related to business, very pretty easy to collaborate. Um, if there's a topic that involves public health, engineering, all, all the things, you know, even uh, other parts of Harvard, it, I, I have heard, seen um, people from HKS do collaborations uh, and with other students, with resources. I mean, sometimes there's some administrative barriers at times, but it's doable. And there's a great wealth of resources. Um, so, I mean, I think that explains why there's just so many different career outcomes from IR track people from HKS. And the last thing I want to highlight about HKS is that there's a lot of trips. Now, trips, uh, by trips, I mean, you could call them fun trips, but school-sponsored or student-community-sponsored trips um, that... Many people have called them very fun, a highlight of the social experience at HKS. Um, but it's a definitely a potential bonding, good bonding moment for your classmates. Um, now, speaking about your classmates, um, you know, I think trips are a good way to bond people. But it has been common to me that uh, HKS can feel a little bit too huge. Like, and if someone's not in your cohort, you just don't know them. So... That, that sense of loneliness at times when the cohort is just so big, it's hard to know, uh, have a tight-knit community sometimes. It's been mentioned to me a few times. But I would say most people I know have managed to make good friendships within their cohort and, or certain communities they're in. All right. So let's talk about Georgetown Walsh School of Foreign Service. I, I know this program decently well, having lived in D.C., having collaborated with a lot of their students, um, 
And so actually I find it also find it a fascinating program. So first off, you know, the school's marketing prides itself on being the quote unquote best program per foreign policy magazine. And the way I understand it is that, I mean, yes, its academics are pretty good. Um, I have heard that in terms of teaching quant, uh, it's getting better, but it's not necessarily the best. But ultimately, its real value um, is that a lot of Georgetown uh, MSFS, Masters in School of Foreign Service students, uh, like really elevate themselves by essentially t- taking part-time internships or live projects within the D.C. area. And, and it's pretty easy to get get them. Um, so basically have an internship during the semester or a project during the semester. Um, and they have gotten really impressive uh, internships. I've, I've been very impressed by the semester side internships um, I've seen uh, Georgetown Walsh students get. And definitely is a resume booster and helps them long, elevate them for a career. Um, now, the thing about this program is that unlike Harvard Kennedy School is that you get into IR right away. And you know, Grant is a core, cur- core curriculum. It's IR focused, or and, and there's elect and there's electives to be IR focused. Um, and and just if you want to live, breathe, eat, sleep IR, you know, this is this is the way to do it instead of going the candy route. I will say um, one really good thing about Georgetown Walsh is that there's a fair amount of collaboration with the MBA and other programs within Georgetown. Um, I wouldn't say the resources are extensive at Harvard, but they're there. They're helpful. They go far. Um, yeah. So, you know, that makes it a really good pr- program in that respect. Now, the Georgetown brand and posse from IR perspective is definitely real. I've seen Georgetown uh, Walsh School posses on, in the State in State Department, intelligence agencies, defense, nonprofits, uh, and anything that that structure involves the federal U.S. federal government and IR, there's, I've seen Georgetown Posse Lo- within lobbying, international issue, international issues related lobbying. I've seen Georgetown Posse, uh, and and what's interesting about Georgetown is that you know it, not only do the master students help with networking, but a lot of the undergrads who've gone gone on and do good things, and law students have gone gone and do good things. Um, help with networking and career opportunities as well. I haven't seen any other university like that. Usually the undergrads don't care for the graduate students and vice versa. Um, now one, I will say Georgetown Walsh, there's a disproportionate, there's a high number of people, a disproportionate high number of people who go into careers in Deloitte government operations. Um, I, that's a very common career route that I've seen and I mean, Deloitte's just a large employer for Georgetown University at large. It doesn't surprise me. Now, I will say I haven't seen anyone or heard of anyone from Georgetown Walsh go to MBB, McKinsey Bay, and BCG, unless they're dual degreeing, like with an MBA or something like that. Um, maybe it might be possible, but just something to keep mind, uh, mindful of. It's possible to go MBB with HKS. Still competitive, but I haven't seen that for Georgetown Walsh. Uh, overall, I think it's a great program. The brand speaks for itself. Um, and if you want to live, breathe IR, it's a good option. So then there's Johns Hopkins SICE. So again, I have had plenty of friends, uh, colleagues, 
people met in IR uh, events go Johns Hopkins sites. I can I have friend family that went to Johns Hopkins sites. I consider Johns Hopkins sites myself. Um, Johns Hopkins sites is unique because it's probably the most quant focused IR program out there. Now, it, that being said, it does have a diverse array of um, career outcomes. That includes this typical foreign service officer, intelligence agencies, um, IGOs, think tanks, so on and so forth. But I will say I have seen a lot more SICE people end up on things like uh, international agriculture uh, production projection type stuff for the State Department or Department of Agriculture. So a lot of quantitatively quantitative analysis type jobs um, I've seen I've seen come out of sites, which makes sense because it's one of the most quant focused programs. Um, now that being said, there the quant stuff isn't easy. It's the reason why I ultimately didn't go to Johns Hopkins sites. Um, I have a friend who does not come from a quant background. He went there and <laughs> he was in a library a lot of weekends just to learn the quant. Now I have heard that they done uh, made some measures to make quant learning some a little bit easier uh, a little bit more improved so you know e- even still it's it's going to be a, a big big thing to overcome um a few other interesting thing that to, about johns hopkins sex is that I, it's the only school where the architecture has been constantly mentioned a lot to me it's everything's housed in a Cold War era looking building. And apparently it's, it's not exactly the most appealing people and it's distracting at times. I don't know why. I just hear a lot. I mean, I agree it's not the most appealing looking building, but oh well. But one big thing, which is another reason why I didn't go, is that Johns Hopkins SICE isn't really connected in terms of programming with the rest of Johns Hopkins or even DC. So here's what I mean by this. Um, and it, it could change, but I do not know of anyone who attended Johns Hopkins sites and, for example, uh, on took a class at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore or uh, Johns Hopkins MBA Carey School Business. I mean, it might be possible, but it's not just something that it's understood as a possibility or widely a- advertised. And the reason why I think this matters is because um, if you want to go, a lot of things are getting more interdisciplinary these days. And... Don't get me wrong, Johns Hopkins has a lot of resources. They have a lot of international campuses. I think they also have their own version of trips. Um, but it, I, it helps, in my opinion, to have options to pivot uh, as if your interests change throughout grad school. So you know, that's, that's something that was a little bit uncomfortable for me about uh, SICE. So th- that being said, again, another really good school ends up with a lot of good opportunities. Oh, what, what, yeah, one thing else interesting. Um, in terms of D.C. community, so, for example, if you go to George Washington uh, University for any graduate program, you could take classes at Georgetown and American University. But for whatever reason, Johns Hopkins opted out of the uh, D.C. area school compact. Um, you can't, if you go to Johns Hopkins sites, you can only take classes at Johns Hopkins sites. So, uh, they just want to be themselves, but, hey, I, they end up Pretty good place, so I think it's a good program overall. Tufts Fletcher. Um, I I know this program really well because I knew a lot of people, really close friends of mine, uh, who went here. And I visited school myself, even took a even uh, was a guest student once, and 
met a lot of people uh, who went here. So I have very strong mixed feelings about this school. So let me talk about strengths. Um, Tufts Fletcher is probably been explained to me as one of the best student experiences in higher education anyone has ever experienced. And I can see why. Um, I think it comes down to a lot of the students are Fulbright scholars, have a some level of nonprofit background or uh, in, in foreign living. So I, I think it's easy to get along. And historically, they're known for placing people in nonprofit, NGOs, academia, um, and I, international governance organizations, IGOs. There is a, a, a small yet snowsable posse. I'm, uh, from Fletcher that goes to the Foreign Service. And and, in, and definitely there's increasingly more and more attempts from Fletcher to uh, have more private sector jobs. So I will say um, career services, I, this is one of the more active career services I've seen. They organize treks uh, for students to go to D.C. and New York City. I think there might be a third one out there I heard about. But... So the treks are basically career exploration trips that last like a week or so. And they organize a schedule based around them. And they're essentially opportunities to find jobs. Um, and yeah, I hear that it's it's pretty decent for, for the most part. And like I said, pretty good uh, career services effort. Now, what... So that being said, all good stuff about Fletcher... Uh, what concerns me about Fletcher is a few things. So, first of all, um, they like to brag a lot about how if you go Fletcher, you can go take a class at Harvard, you can collaborate with Harvard, uh, and Kennedy School or Business School, which is true. The thing is that I just think it's interesting that that's something that's one of the first few things to come up all the time. It's like, oh, if you go Fletcher, it's kind of like going to Harvard because you take classes at Harvard. Um, so no, you can take class at Harvard and there's definitely some events in which they collaborate with Harvard, but at the end of the day, your core resource pool, your core peer group are Fletcher, is Fletcher. Um, and that Harvard is actually pretty painful to get to, uh, from where Fletcher is, uh, in, in Somerville. So it's going to be like 30, 45 minutes there and back. Uh, on a good day. So that's two hours after life and depending, and you might have other classes you have to get to. So, you know, just something, just something to be clear about. Um, but in terms of Fletcher itself, the brand is really good inside international relations. The problem is that outside of international relations, people really don't know Fletcher. Uh, it's funny. I was brought a, a girl who's a Fletcher alum as a data mind to an event. And, you know, I was, I was working in a somewhat international, but kind of like more operations focused, uh, organization. Um, and, you know, none of my colleagues all have really good degrees outside of IR and good ex professional experience outside of IR ever heard of Fletcher. And, you know, I get that a lot for Fletcher alumni that you, once you leave the community, uh, a lot of people don't know what it is. I mean, DC, some people know, but even DC, I met a lot of people that didn't know what Fletcher is. So to me, what that means is that if you want to stay IR, great. You think you're in a good place. You're set for good pipelines. But the moment you want to pivot, it might be a little bit risky and troubling at times. Now, that, that being said, I met people from Fletcher who pivoted to 
private sector. It's doable. Um, but they, they themselves have made to me, it's, it, it, the brand was a little bit challenging at times. So, um, and, and then another thing that makes it hard to pivot or, or be interdisciplinary at Fletcher is that um, Tufts itself doesn't really have that many other professional graduate programs to uh, collaborate with. Uh, Tufts has a medical school and dental school, which is in Boston, which is not Somerville. It's a good, like, 45 minutes-ish away, hour away. Um, and I... So, so in terms of professional schools, Tufts doesn't have an MBA. Tufts doesn't have a public policy school. So even though Fletcher in itself has pretty good resources, they have some business classes. At the end of the day, it's not like going to Harvard, Georgetown, uh, or GW, where you have an MBA program to help you, help you out, or a public health program in the case of George Washington help you out. Um, so the, the interdisciplinary nature of it, it's... It's somewhat there, but not really. That's what I get at. So that's why I highlight Fletcher. So next, talking about George Washington Elliott. So I'll be honest, I do not know that much about the student experience about George Washington Elliott. I could talk about the school, having, um, you know, talk, engaging people and went through my IR days and seeing where a lot of alumni go uh, from my IR days. I will say the way I think of describing George Washington Elliott is that it's overall good school with a lot of interesting niches. The two I'm very keenly aware about is uh, international relations with China and space policy. I'm pretty sure there's, there's probably more out there, but for whatever reason, those are the two that I know. And and the reason why I know that because um, you know, I what, from what I've seen in my experience is that people have told me they recognize George Washington Elliott uh, staff uh, alumni who become staff or experts and whatever um, based on people who launched careers off of whatever their specialty they got good get, they got involved with at George Washington Elliott. And I hear George Washington Elliott people kind of like highlight that to me every now and then um, or uh, when I meet them. I will say kind of like Georgetown, um, a lot of the value comes from experiential learning opportunities. I also see a lot of George Washington Elliott students roam the DC areas with live projects, experiences, that um, I will say that there definitely is a posse of George Washington Elliott folks out there and things like Foreign Service, Intelligence Agency, so on and so forth. I don't think it's as big as the Georgetown uh, posse, but uh, they're there. So I still think it's a good option. Uh, I, obviously, the Georgetown brand is a bit better. Some would say decently better, but the way I see it, you know, the key thing about George Washington Elliott is that if you're in a good niche, and you establish yourself, get some live projects, you're in a very good place. Um, so I'll be honest about the next two schools. Uh, I, I have, I have uh, engaged people from there, but I generally don't know that much about them just because um, they haven't had that much of a presence, uh, at least in my uh, academic professional spheres. But I'll tell you why I know that that's consistently told to me. And I've witnessed or observed. So Columbia SEPA, uh, I did look at this school. Um, I said no to it for a few reasons. Um, first of all, academically, it's very strong. Um, I, I see people go there, do really well in private sector, a foreign service. Um, but I will say historically, it's known for nonprofit, acad- academia, IGO, NGO. Um, but the consistent thing 
that people have told me and people who work there and students from there is that it really lacks a good, strong sense of community. And that's not really a blame on the school per se. It's just that everyone who goes there has their own New York City life that they live. So you know, they really focus on that instead of uh, building a grad school community. And But it's gotten to a point like it's the community is so low that um, it's been explained to me that they don't really have a strong sense of connection to SEPA. Um, so, you know, I, I, for one, wanted a graduate school experience with a good chunk of community, and apparently SEPA consistently, that's what people tell me, is not there. Uh, again, I view it as a great academic school. Because it's in New York, um, I haven't seen that many people from SEPA um, be in the D.C. space. I, I mean, I've seen... I've seen they're present, but I'm seeing as many. You know, um, so I can't really comment uh, you know, in really beyond uh, just beyond that. Now, American SIS, uh, I'll be honest, I probably know the least about the school. But what I think is interesting is that having been in D.C., and it's a D.C.-based school, and having been in many different parts of international relations or involved in many different parts of international relations, uh, everything from national security to migration to IDEV, uh, international economic affairs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I cannot remember seeing that many CIS alum. I've seen a few CIS alums do, do well in the international security space, but definitely they were outnumbered by essentially everyone else. Um, so... In terms of student events, uh, everything between uh, just talks and, and panels and, and the IR space, I just haven't seen SIS students. Um, now, I know reputationally they are a good program, but the bottom line is that having been in the DC grad school space, I just haven't seen them in uh, the competitive, in the more the competitive stages involving or more competitive spaces evolving IR. Um, again, I, you know, I know I have on occasion encountered alums who've done well, but at least in terms of grad students, I personally haven't um, witnessed that much, um, shall we say, Im impressive activity, which is interesting because DC is like, in so many ways, a small town. Now, again, I, again, I, I, I hear that they're well-respected in the IR community and you now I, could just be a matter I don't know. I don't know, but this, but you know, ab I think absence speaks for itself sometimes. So, um, hope this is helpful. Again, I I think you know everyone should understand that this is my observations, my experiences, and the based on conversations I have. If you're interested in these schools, you know, I think it's smart for you to do your, your due diligence to find out more, talk to the alums, the students, but also, um, you know. Just be smart about understanding what is an honest and fair assessment and relative to, you know, what's best for you and ultimately you're your best champion. All right. Hope this is helpful and good luck.